When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to Season 2, Episode number 7 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the beautiful BAMP, Alberta, baby. And just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. What is up today, Durminator? Not too much, brother. What did you get up to today? Oh, I had the day off, so I finally got to go take a trip out to old Calgary there, pick up the rest of my hockey equipment and snowboarding stuff, and let's just say I'm all ready for some winter activities now, baby. Going to get out on the hill? I am going to get out on the hill. Actually, my board just came in a few days back, put it all together, got the bindings on it. Now I got my helmet, got all the rest of my stuff, and I am geared up, and I am ready to go. Fucking right. Going to make the next X Games or what? Not a chance in hell. I am a complete pigeon out there on the hill. Looking to get better, you know? Looking to get um, get my carbon game up out there. Um, but other than that, yeah, I just want to go have fun and hopefully not uh, hurt myself because putting myself out of work right now is just not ideal. Never really is. No. How about you? What have you uh, been up to? Did you get up to anything this past weekend? Just work. Just working. Just on the grind, eh? Gotta do what you gotta do. Dude, I know. I hear that, man. Work has been uh, a bit of a grind over here, too. A lot of later nights. So, you know, it's hard to catch all this hockey action. But let's just say one thing right now, Durham. The Kraken are elite oh they are buzzing absolutely buzzing and another exciting week of great performances and we had a couple uh ot actions back to back actually making it three overtime games in a row we've seen some exciting finishes lately right they decided well not decided but i guess you could say they decided losing the first game in ot sucks so they just weren't gonna do it again yeah, I pretty much they did decide that. And um, you know, they started things off with 
Remember, I we talked about it last week, probably one of their biggest tests of the season so far, going up against the New York Rangers and Igor Shesterkin, and it was a hell of a game, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you get four, you get uh, Jones in there just staring Shesterky down at the other end, and he beats him. Exactly what everyone watched the game said. Jones was better. Yeah, Jones was better, and like we talked about, it was an elite goaltending duo, and it did not disappoint. I mean, Jones stopping 28 out of 30 shots. Uh, He kept his game, uh, kept his team in it all game long. Uh, This was a fun one. Yeah, the Kraken definitely dominated. Like, they spent most, it sure, you know, statistically it doesn't look like that, but they spent most of the time down in the attacking end getting good chances off the cycle, off the half wall, second chances too. Lots of posts. Yeah, lots of posts in this game, uh, similar to both games, actually. Uh, it's been weird uh, for for pucks hitting off posts these last two games, that's for sure. But we'd started off with a goal pretty... Uh, Pretty much right to start the game off, just two minutes and 45 seconds into this one. And uh, Will Borgen stepping into one from the blue line, and it's getting tipped in front, actually right behind his back, basically, from Jared McCann, who pops in his sixth of the year. Yeah, and about 10 seconds after he missed the breakaway chance there, too. So it just makes up for it. Yeah, that's a great way to make up for it. And Will Borgen obviously getting that first assist. Jordan Eberle getting the second assist on the play. It was a big game for a defenseman. Yeah, definitely. The guys from the back end have, def- have been contributing offensively all year. They didn't slow down this week. Yeah, and uh, the Rangers would tie the game up. They would get a power play goal from uh, Mika Zibanejad. Already has 10 on the year, Durham. 10? That's not too bad. Yeah, not too bad for him, and uh, this was a tough one. I mean, no chance for Martin Jones. Basically, Kreider just feeds the puck right across the the crease there. Everybody's collapsed in at this point, and Zabinijad's wide open, and so is the net, and uh, he wasn't going to miss that one. No, I kind of struggled to find the puck in the house there. You know, the Kraken did, the Rangers certainly didn't, and he deposited that into the empty cage. Yeah. And it was a pretty big battle in the second period. A lot of back and forth action, a lot of hits, um, really fast pace of play. And we didn't see another goal until that third period. No, and then Schultz's going to just wire one. Absolute piss missile from the point. Yeah, it looks like it went off a, a, a Ranger body. Maybe Schneider on D there is able to kind of get a piece of that but that was a hard shot from justin schultz he just sne- steps right into that one that would give the crack in the lead with just half a period to play but unfortunately that's not going to stay is it because trochak's going to get another power play marker for the rangers yeah and that's really the the biggest downfall of the kraken's game and this one was uh not being able to keep the net or keep the puck out of the net um when they were shorthanded but Let's give credit to the Rangers. They do have a pretty deadly power play. This Trocheck goal, though, Durham, what'd you think about it? I thought he was a bit of a lucky bounce. Oh, absolutely. Just, you know, hit something down in the slot there and happens to pop right out to him. Yeah, he kind of gets the tip on the play. I think it hits his own player. You know, Jones is going down to make that save, and then the puck just perfectly bounces right back on a Trocheck stick. And he ties the game with just less than two minutes left. Sending this one to OT. Which didn't matter because we're going to walk away with the extra point ever. Anyways, 
Just, you know, nice play. Everly's going to drive the net there and find Schultz on the far side. He's going to bank it in off Chester and slide him over. Yeah, and that was a great play by Jordan Everly there to kind of drive the net, create that play. Justin Schultz had the ability to, to pinch down low and just sneaks it through Shesterk in there and a big two points for the Kraken. Yeah, an absolutely huge two points. How about Yanni Gord playing in his 400th game in this one too, eh? 400. I bet they didn't see that one coming a few years back, did they? No, not at all. I mean, this was a guy who is an undrafted forward ends up signing a deal with um you know in the tampa bay organization uh in a third tier pro team in the echl you know there was a quote on twitter from bob condor saying you know nine nine summers ago you know seattle kraken forward yanny gordon his wife sat down had a heart had a heart-to-heart talk about an offer from a third tier pro echl team or decide to quit the game and pursue a civil engineering degree. They decided to give hockey one more shot. And uh, do you think it worked out for the guy? I'd say his bank statement says it's worked out. I would say so too, eh? A a couple mil in the bank account right now, maybe a few more than that. A couple Stanley Cup rings, 400th NHL game played now after that one. Yeah, I think things worked out in the right way for Yanni Gord. They definitely held on for the right amount of one more years. Oh, 100%. That's all about just not giving up on the dream. And, you know, Yanni Gord is a prime example of that. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of guys that try and stick to it that don't come through. And we're so glad Gordy did. Yeah. And another key factor, too, on the blue line was Cal Fleury um, getting back into the lineup in this one and had another solid game for the guy. Yeah, he got eh, sorry, he got in there and he was able to stay in the lineup. I mean, you can't change what ain't broke, right? So Exactly. And he would stay in the lineup for the next game, which was another huge game because it was an LA team who was two points up on the Kraken going into it. And that is a divisional opponent right there that uh, you gotta find a way to make sure you secure those two points against. And they're gonna f- make sure they find a way by getting out of the getting out of the gate early Everly showing off the hands they're going to drive in in the net again kind of reminiscent of last game's OT winner but this time it's going to go off the path and bury it yeah it honestly it felt like that was uh some vintage Jordan Everly going on there how about the hands on the way in to create that play too right side to side the shoulder shimmies throwing a little backhand towards the net there yeah, that was uh that was just a an epic goal and uh to get it just that early in the game too. It was nice to uh you know get the crowd into it early at home. Yeah, definitely take the away team out of it, suck all their energy out and just ride the emotions in the building. Yeah. No, it was a great goal and didn't see a whole lot of I mean, I felt like the Seattle Kraken Shots were close in that first period, but it really felt like Seattle absolutely dominated that first period. That's what I thought anyways. It just seemed like they were all over the LA Kings, which is great. They were certainly all over, and like Burakovsky was on Doughty when he stripped them. Oof. Oh my goodness. They were on top of... I know, that could have been an absolutely deadly goal. Yeah, that definitely would have been on highlight reels. Sports just, Center Top 10. 
Yeah, the patient, the the ability to read that play, um, that Doughty's going to do a backhand feed, you know, to his player there, and Burakovsky just gets that stick in that right position at the right time. That would have been a nice goal. Yeah, that would have been a sick one. Would have put him up to nothing, but uh, Philip Deneau ends up uh, tying the game up in the second period there and kind of gets his own rebound and whacks it out out of midair just behind Jones. And that would tie that game right up. Yeah, definitely a tough bounce there. I mean, we couldn't clear the puck out and then all of a sudden it's bouncing around up high over everyone and just in the back of the net. Yeah, and then for the first time, the Kraken would be down in a game. Because right at the start of the third period, they get a little sloppy play, and Trevor Moore would go the other way shorthanded, pop in his sixth of the year on a breakaway just 35 seconds into that third period. Yeah, a bit of hesitation and indecisiveness on the power play there causes a miscommunication, and they get a clear break up the middle and makes no mistake on it. Yeah, but instead of last year how we were we the crack and we're scoring goals and then immediately getting scored on it was a bit of a reverse play from last year and it was the kraken who were actually getting that first goal uh right back and that was a nice one from from daniel sprong on that same power play so a good little redemption goal there yeah exactly and a nice feed from schultz there too as soon as he picks it up just finds sprong on the far side all alone and just lays it in for him yeah, a nice sneaky shot too. Finds the five hole there, and that was Spronger's first goal in six games, so it's nice to see him back on the score sheet. Yeah, definitely. And then speaking of vintage Jordan Eberle, how about that shot in overtime to win the game, assisted by Justin Schultz. Eberle just walking in and putting it top shelf. Oh, that was a beauty. Oh, that was disgusting. A great D play all around too. Like you had Schultz shut down the offense and then chip it out and create the two on one. And Everly just looks and holds and holds and holds wait for the high glove. Yeah, absolutely disgusting. And the, and the Kraken would take four out of four points during this week. And those are two big ones against LA who was sitting two points ahead of them. They would tie them in the standings. Plus they got three games in hand on uh, the LA Kings right now too. So uh, they're 2-0 and against them, and that's huge. Yeah, that's big if you can shut them down and create or get the tiebreaker against them early in the head-to-head. Come mm-hmm. playoff time, that's going to matter for home ice. Oh, big time. And, you know, this, it was a great start. Things kind of uh, dwindled down a bit where L.A. pushed back in that second period, but a strong way to end the game for the Kraken. And once again, I'm going to pump Cal Flurry's tires here because I just thought – he had a phenomenal performance again in this game. He just looked so uh, just like a complete defenseman, very competitive, jumping up in plays, making great passes, very confident out there. He had two shots. He had one hit and he had three blocks in the game, finished with 17 minutes and 11 seconds of ice time. What'd you think of Cal Fleury? I thought he was fine. Like we'll see if he's just kind of got his early career season jitters where he's just playing sick out of the gate. I want to see if he can uh, keep it up because he's obviously playing great right now. He is. And it's kind of reminding me of uh, kind of how we've seen Will Borgen slowly progress with this team as well. 
um, and just the way he he's looked way more confident and looked like a steady NHL defenseman now and a defenseman who belongs to be in that lineup game in and game out. And, you know, we can maybe hope to see that uh, Cal Fleury ends up being that type of player as well. If he does, all the better for Seattle. Big time. And let's kind of switch things up here, Durham, because this was Wright's second uh, game there. Both of those games he was scratched for, but it was actually his fifth straight game in a row, Durham. So um, we were kind of waiting to see if this scenario would happen, and it has happened. And exactly what we thought would happen did happen. So now we're seeing Shane Wright getting sent down to the AHL for a little stint. What do you think about this? I think it's obviously the right move. Like we, what we, yeah, exactly what we've been saying the last couple of weeks, you know, with him getting sat, he's going to, we've got to play. So they're going to pull this clause out. They can only do it once with each player, right? So he can't yeah. do this and then four months from now get sat for five games and go back again. But he's going to get five games with the AHL squad and he should play all five. So I think that's great. I think it's great too. And I would really expect him to find some time in that top six uh, during his whole stint. I think it would be almost a waste if he's not playing top six minutes and getting somewhere around 16 uh, minutes per game around that threshold, I think would be great for Shane Wright. Yeah, he's definitely got to be playing in the top six. Otherwise, this is kind of pointless. I agree. Yeah, and you know he can only be down there for 14 games, which makes him eligible for five AHL games. And starting things off, tomorrow night, which is November 22nd, he'll be going off against the Calgary Wranglers for a game, and then he would stay uh, in Calgary and once again go up against the Wranglers on Thursday for a little back-to-back to start things off. Then he's going to go to San Jose, and play against the San Diego Gulls there. I uh, Wait, San Diego, San Jose? They're not the same place, are they? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Good one, Ty, but he's going to be playing against them on the Saturday. And uh, so basically, he's going to be a waste, which is unfortunate because, you know, if you're a Coachella Valley Firebirds fan, uh, you're unfortunately not going to be able to see him because these are all going to be away games, and um, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, it looks like he's going to be going up against, uh, you know, divisional rivals in the AHL and maybe trying to help Coachella Valley move up in the standings a bit. But Ty, isn't he going to Calgary? He is going to Calgary. And I know what you're thinking. Maybe I should go catch a game. I would love to, Durham. Work schedule doesn't agree with it, though. That's just a job. It's Yeah, I know. I wish. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to be working till 11 p.m. Uh, Tuesday and work until uh, midnight on Thursday. So, uh, unfortunately, there's not a chance I could go watch those games. Would have been Yikes. sick. Would have been sick. But the question really is, who is he going to be playing with on this AHL team? Ooh, that is a good question, actually. Yeah, uh, by the looks of it, considering who's kind of leading the way with the team, you got a lot of left and right wingers who are putting up some decent points. So, you know, obviously he's going to be slotted in the middle, and he could be playing with some uh, guys who are putting up points here. There's 
four forwards currently right now on this team on Coachella Valley who are over a point per game. And uh, leading the way is Andrew Poltorowski with tw- with 20 points in 12 games so far. Uh, he's listed as center slash right wing. So I don't know exactly where he's sitting right now. But then you have Jesper Froden, who they signed in the offseason, brought him over. He's got he's leading the team in goals with eight goals so far. He's got 14 points in 12 games. And then Cole Lind, as well as Max McCormick, a couple more wingers, both have 14 points in 12 games. So when you take a look at that, there's plenty of offense and guys who can put up numbers that they can maybe surround Shane right around. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's going to be one of the vets, possibly that Podorowski, because I think he was the captain of Chicago, right? Like, not the Blackhawks, the Wolves. Correct. He definitely was. And then Froden came from um, the SHL there and had a pretty good resume too. And he's a bit of a vet, even though he hasn't played in the AHL a whole lot. Um, I believe he's about 27 years old. So a couple of those guys might not be bad uh, options to throw Shane Wright with. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on, you know, who he's playing with and how he ends up producing in those games. Yeah, I think putting them with the two vets is going to be definitely the best thing, especially if it's only for two weeks maximum, you know, get the five games, like have that, have him learn as much as possible in as close a radius as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that would be uh, really good for Shane Wright. And then obviously after those five games, it's uh, more than likely that he's going to join Team Canada, probably training camp and uh, for the World Juniors, of course. And, you know, hopefully look to make a really big impact on that squad. Yeah, I would have liked to see him there in the summer, but whatever. I guess I can wait till the real one's on after Christmas. It's going to feel a lot more like, you know, like the World Juniors now that it's back during, you know, the holidays. Um some of the greatest hockey you'll watch all year long world juniors. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of role he's going to play for that team, because the expectation obviously is that he should be one of the top leaders on the squad, even though he doesn't really bring much experience playing on that team. Yeah. He's definitely going to be leaned on in the top six, I would assume. Yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see who he ends up playing with on his wings. I mean, What if he's on a line with Bedard? You know, they throw him on the wing, similar to what they did with McTavish, right? Uh, That'll be really interesting. Or perhaps that Jordan Dumais kid who's absolutely lighting the lamp in the CHL as well. I believe he's going to be a top six player on on those two forward lines for Team Canada. So there's going to be a plenty of offense to play with. And the expectation is that he needs to be a leader for that team. And he probably should be one of the top three point getters for that team as well. I don't know. Don't forget about Logan Stankoven too. Like this will still be technically Wright's first tournament, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, I mean, he what played? Was it two or three games before? Two, two games before that uh, tournament got canceled due to COVID. Even though that was a huge question mark considering the year before it was way worse and that one kept going. So um, question mark for sure. It was disappointing because I was back home for Christmas and I wanted to watch those games with the boys. It would have been fun. Yeah, that was kind of poorly handled. 
it was poorly handled, but uh, it looks like that's all out of the way with at least, you know, knock on wood here because I do not want to have to miss another World Juniors uh, during the the uh, the break because World Juniors during the Christmas and the holidays is just the best. There's no time like it. No. All right, Dara, moving on from the Shane Wright talk, we have uh, some game previews to talk about here. And let's call this one the Divisional Rival Week because we have three big games against divisional opponents, kicking things off with the last game of a six-game homestand this Wednesday, November 23rd, against the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, well, you know San Jose, right? All the focus is going to be on King Carl down there. 28 points. Yeah, 28 points for King Carl and the incredible year he's having. Other than that, this team is still pretty terrible and they're a bottom five team in goal differential. Um, This is two points you got to have. I agree that like you got to close this out and then that makes your six game homestand just incredible too. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to kind of end things off. And yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, San Jose is not a great team right now and you just can't afford to be losing points like this. No, you got to beat the teams below you. You can afford to lose a game or two around the teams that are around you as long as you're beating the teams below you. Yeah, but if you start losing these, these, uh, these, let's quote unquote easier games, then you're really going to struggle against the teams that are surrounding you. And so this is a big opportunity to end the home game, the home standoff with two big points against San Jose, a team we haven't seen them play against this year yet. No, let's get the first one in the bag. Just, you know, get one of these hot starts going that the Kraken have had this week and throw it down their throats. Yep, and it would be great to once again see Jonesy and Nett for this one. Uh, just because he spent a lot of his years in the NHL playing against San Jose, so I think this would be a great opportunity for him to, uh, you know, get a team or get a big win against his former team. Yeah, having been a shark for so long, I'm sure it would be great for him. Mm-hmm. So hopefully big two points against San Jose. And then they kick off a three-game road trip uh, on Friday, November 25th in Vegas. And this is where things are going to get really tough here because once again, this is a team that they still have not beat yet. And there's no hotter team really that, well, there actually there is a hotter team in the NHL. It's called the Devils. But if you're looking at the Western Conference, there isn't a hotter team than Vegas. No, the Golden Knights are on fire. They're definitely a team you can bet on. <laughs> Vegas. You know, Eichel's 22 points leading the way there. But it's not just him because they have eight other players with double-digit points already. Yeah, it just seems like everybody's getting it done within this lineup. And it's pretty crazy. I mean, they they... Obviously, the Pacioretty was going to be injured, so they wouldn't have had him, but they lose him in the lineup. Eichel steps in and is now healthy and really leading the team and already creating a lot of good chemistry within that lineup. Oh, yeah. He's definitely shown that he can be the goal scorer that he was originally in Buffalo as well. 10 goals in 19 games. That's pretty solid. That is very solid. And 
yeah, they just have a lot more depth in this lineup than I really expected them to have, especially that back end. When you take a look at, you know, Vegas's roster, um, they have three really solid uh, D lines. Yeah, their D pairs are quite consistent. There's it seems to be a good offensive threat on each one of them, especially in the top four when you got Petrangelo and Theodore on separate pairs. Yeah, and those are two really, really good defensemen. And when they're out, um, you know, for most of the game, almost all of the game, one of those two defensemen, uh, you got to like your odds. I certainly wouldn't hate them. And they have some good size, too, with Nicholas Hag on that third pair and Zach Whitecloud, who, again, is, like you said, another guy who can move the puck and create some some stuff offensively. So this team is is quite deep. And it's crazy to think about the success that Chandler Stevenson has had since coming over uh, from the Capitals over to Vegas. He basically was a fourth liner over there and became a first liner in Vegas and has done really, really well uh, playing up in that lineup. Yeah, Vegas kind of has a knack for just pulling people out of spots and putting them in higher roles and them succeeding. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't hurt that Bruce Cassidy has stepped in and obviously had a great reputation as a coach and is proving that he's not only a good coach uh, that he was in Boston, but he's come to Vegas and he has this team playing some incredibly well hockey. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that everyone wasn't quite sure about is why Boston let Cassidy go. There was a rumored like player rift, but damn, he's getting the Golden Knights to play well. He really is. And, uh, you know, this team is just on a heater. Um, you know, Vegas, San Jose has not beaten Vegas yet in five attempts. Eventually it's going to happen. Would love to see it happen in this Friday. Uh, upcoming, but uh, the biggest question mark is: is uh, when are we going to see Grubauer and Net? Is it going to be when Jones finally falters and has a bad game, or do you give him a break at some point and see where Grubauer is at after coming back from his injury? Damn, I was hoping to ask you that question, so I didn't have to come up with an answer. Well, I beat you to it, so now you get to answer it. I think you're going to see Grubauer back the first game he's ready and says, I want to play. Yeah, I mean, he was backing up last game, so you got to think he is very close to being ready. He pretty much should be ready at this point. So maybe we do see him in that game against San Jose, and then Jones gets the tougher opponent versus Vegas because no question about it, Jones is your number one guy. And we all know Haxtell doesn't give a shit about, you know, the old revenge game didn't play Grubauer yeah. against Colorado. Very Washington true. I, get to play San Jose. Yeah, that's a great point right there. So um, maybe we see Grubauer uh, Wednesday, and we go back to Jones Friday. See how those two games play out, and you find out who you're going to start Sunday when you're in Anaheim against a pretty terrible team. Against the worst team, the worst team. They're so fucking bad. They're so bad, I'm jumping straight to stat of the week. Because stat of the week, for the game of the week, Anaheim does not have a regulation win. And we're a couple games away from being 25% done this season, for Christ's sake. That is awful. I don't, I, like, oof. That's bad. Like, five games in 18, 
five wins in 18 games is bad enough. But then to say, yeah, we needed over 60 minutes to win all five of them. What fucking league are you playing in? Yeah, and a big part of that is just how bad their defense looks right now. I mean, it doesn't help that they pretty much lost Jamie Drysdale for basically the rest of the year. I don't think he'll play again this year. I'd be surprised. He went down with a torn labrum. Um, and looking at their D pairs, I mean, you got Cam Fowler with Dmitry Kulikov on the first pair. And then the second pair, you got John Klingberg with Simon Benoit on your second pair. And then we go to the third pair. You got Kevin Shattenkirk with Colton White. You got three. You got a player on each one of those lines who really should not be there, Durham. Dude, I'm reading through like their stats for this year for guys who have played and got points for them and going through their D. And of the seven of them, four of them, I'm like, who the fuck's that? Like, no offense. Obviously, there are someone in some scale, but I haven't fucking heard of their name. So it's like, shit, I got to do some reading up on Anaheim. Where the hell are they getting guys from? Yeah, where are these players coming from? Honestly, I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense. Um, like, this has to be like a made up name. Pavel Regenda. <laughs> I've never heard of that player. Not a chance. He's on the Ducks. He's a stockbroker. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be the new meme is people sending pictures of players from the Ducks. And they're like, have you heard of this guy? No. Well, he plays for the Ducks. They might get a few. They might get a regular, a couple more regulation wins, or they might get a regulation win if they start wearing their uh, reverse retros more. True. Those would look nasty. They just get them fired up. Obviously, they can't wear them against Seattle. No. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Seattle's going to pull off that win. That's true. So maybe they should wear it against Seattle so that we have something to watch because it ain't going to be the Ducks. Yeah, at least we could look at their jerseys. But, I mean, what's going on with uh, John Gibson, too? It's a rough go for him. He's got a 4.31 goals against average so far this year. Yeah, I don't think that's somebody uh, anybody wants in the back of their D zone right now, you know, tending the goal. But uh, you got to give the guy credit because he's got two assists. Does he actually? He's got two assists this year, bro. Man, those two points would put him 15th on the team. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's never had two assists in a season. So I think he's just getting frustrated watching his defenseman not be able to move the puck up the ice, and he's just moving it up himself. Two assists puts him 11th on the team. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Stat of the week. Stat of the One, month, baby. Two, three, John Gibson is 11th in team scoring. He's beating both their third pair D. Well, all oh of their third pair D. Goodness. That is unsustainable, I think. But what if at the same isn't? time, it's kind of impressive. Right? Like, how can you get mad at your goalie if he's letting in four goals, but he's got as many assists as you do? <laughs> I can't wait to send that one on Twitter game day. Oh my goodness. That's Ooh. one way to roast a duck. Your goalie's got more assists than you do. Sit down and shut up. Did anybody have duck for U.S. Thanksgiving? Oh my goodness. The Kraken did. 
Oh my goodness. I better stop saying oh my goodness. That's oh my. that's her that's horrendous, dude. That is brutal. Yeah, that's fucking tough. So out of the three games here, uh, what do you think the crack and walk away points wise, Durham? Five points. Five out of a possible six. I think that is very realistic. We'll see if the overtime streak continues. Maybe San Jose can push that to OT, but let's hope not. Let's hope the Kraken just take two points there. Don't give up anything. And let's hope we see the first two points in Kraken history against the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, shove it up their hoop a bit and start slowing this uh, this team down a bit because the last thing we need is for them to go on a complete streak and continue dominating. Yeah, we need to slow their roll as soon as possible. Yeah can't let them pick up momentum more than they Ex already have exactly hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl new customers can bet just five dollars pre-game money line on any nhl team to win their game and get 150 dollars in free bets if they do if that wasn't enough excitement you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do just that. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Durham, what do you think about doing a little breakdown next episode of some uh, World Junior predictions for some of these Kraken prospects of who's going to make it and what kind of impact they will have? Mm, that sounds pretty fun. Sounds like a pretty spicy thing to do, eh? Take a little look. I mean, considering it is, what, November 21st? Camps are going to start opening it up within, what, the next 10 days or so. Yeah, next couple of weeks, they should be open and getting all the invites out. Yeah, it's an exciting time of the year. But before we do that and get to that next week, we still have some stuff to talk about, Durham. Who do you got for Player of the Week? Player of the Week? Of course, we got to go Justin Schultz because the man's all about twos. Two games played this week. He had two goals, two assists. And in each of those games went plus two with two points. Two. Twos, baby. That is uh, pretty exciting, actually. And the fact that uh, all that lines up, I mean, Justin Schultz, how do you not give it to him? And if there was any other player, how do you not say Jones or even Eberly? He had a fantastic week in those two games. And if you're still on the same track as two, that was two overtime wins for the Kraken too. Holy crap, baby. Pretty impressive stuff there. I like it though. Justin Schultz, definitely deserving of player of the week. Man, if they hired Jordan 2-2, that would have been a great week. Yeah. Ooh. The 2-2 train. If you don't know who we're talking about, YouTube that right now. Jordan 2-2. Maybe his fights, maybe his hits, maybe both. Maybe the fact that he had a crowd, an arena in the World Juniors, maybe 4,500 fans or so, 
absolutely losing their mind in Eastern Canada. That was a sight to see, even though I was only about eight years old. That was phenomenal times. It was fantastic. And I almost had the chance to meet Jordan Tutu when I was visiting my grandparents up uh, like way, way up north in Northwest Territories a long time ago. But they decided, no, it wasn't worth going to. I remember being PO'd about that because uh, he was a heck of a player, man. Yeah, that's a tough call. Brutal. How'd they not go to that? Yeah, I'm still I'm still asking myself the same thing, man. Questionable decision for sure. Big letdown. <sighs> Big letdown. But let's get into some talk about the Pacific Division here, Durham. And uh, we're going to do a bit of a breakdown because now that U.S. Thanksgiving has passed or currently is passing currently right now, um, we got some stats to talk about, right? Yeah, definitely. We've got all the teams here. You know, we're approaching American Thanksgiving. We kind of know what everyone's looking like. Yeah, and it's exciting to kind of take that first look into, you know, who we expect to be a playoff team, who we expect to probably miss, because uh, there is a big stat at this time of year. Uh, Do you want to give it to the fans? At American Thanksgiving, 80% of teams currently in the playoffs are going to stay there which is pretty good considering the Kraken are in a playoff spot. Wow, dude, that is pretty crazy to think about. Um, And the fact that the Kraken aren't just in a playoff spot, but they're a few points up from, uh, you know, being out of one too. So they're sitting very, I wouldn't say very comfortably, but they're looking very promising at this point. Well, something else to point out too is, Only Seattle and Vegas are Pacific Division teams that have a plus goal differential right now. Even the Edmonton Oilers only break even. Yeah, which is a pretty wild stat to think about, uh, especially at this time of year. And, you know, other than the Calgary Flames, uh, you know, no other team has played less games than the Kraken in that division right now. And, uh, you know, they're second in points percentage-wise for their games played. So uh, that's another great thing to look at as well. Uh, big 23 points so far in 18 games for this team. Yeah, it's definitely huge for them. I mean, you look, they're only a couple points behind Vegas, game in hand of, well, six points, a game in hand. But what's important is three games, like you said earlier, three games in hand on LA, only a point behind them. They're tied yeah. with Edmonton, three points up, on, tied for games played, three points up on the Oilers there something you're hoping to continue because obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl can just go off at any moment, right? Yeah, you can never count them out for sure. And with the amount of games Calgary has played, they're obviously going to still push. But um, other than that, there's not a whole lot that seems like it's going to threaten them. Definitely not the Anaheim Ducks, that's for sure. No, they are a bit of a trash can right now. Let's start with the top team in in uh, the Pacific Division right now, Vegas. I'm not going to lie. You totally called this one that they were going to be a great team. I didn't have faith, but Durham, 19 games in, they got 14 wins. Yeah, they're definitely kind of you know doing what I thought they were going to do. Last year, they were just injured and broken and kind of had shit hanging over their heads. This year, it's just 
no one really thinks we're going to do that good. And it's like, well, what happened the last time everyone thought Vegas was going to be shit? They were pretty good. Yep. And uh, kind of like the same thing's happening. And I really didn't have a whole lot of faith in their goaltending. Uh, and I am chewing my words up right now and swallowing them because Logan Thompson has been an absolute beast for them in that. Right. He's killing it. 227 goals against, nine wins, 925 save percentage. Yeah, it's just outstanding stuff from him and let's not uh you know we got to give credit where it's due to aiden hill the backup goalie there too has uh put up some pretty nice numbers every time he's in the net too so uh this team just it seems to be getting it done and looks like a powerhouse right now yeah come playoff time there's someone i don't know if i want to play against mm-hmm. the big question mark is what team is la what really are they at this point? I mean, 21 games in, 11, 8, and 2. Did they just have a hot start and they're going to fade away? Or do you think this team has what it takes to continue to push and, and be a playoff team come uh, April? I think they're going to fade. They were one of the teams I had kind of in a bubble spot coming into the year. And I think exactly what you said is what happened. They had a hot start, came out of the gate flying, and they've petered off since then. And they're going to keep dropping and dropping and dropping. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be one of those things where if they get the right goaltending, I think they can keep it up. But I just look at that D-line, and I just don't really like what I see. And they have to find some kind of consistency back there if they want to keep uh, continuing to be you know, a top team and put up points and be a playoff team. So uh, I don't know if they can get it done, and I think the Kraken are a much better team than them right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Every, Almost every aspect of the Kraken, I think, is firing better than the Kings have right now. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I just think that looking at one of these Alberta teams right now, mainly both of them, to be honest, I still feel like they're better teams than L.A., and they have a really good shot at pushing them out. The problem with Edmonton right now is obviously the consistency in net. Exactly. They need, and this is where I just, you know, shit the bed hard. I thought Jack Campbell was going to come in just full of swagger, knowing I'm a number one goalie now and just light the league on fire. Holy that is a, shit. I know he has been terrible and he knows it. I mean, he's come out in public and talked about that and admitted that he's been a, a trash can so far to start the year. And, you know, it sucks because I had a lot of faith in him, too. And uh, my my fantasy team, one of my fantasy teams is hurting really bad because of that. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't end up taking him in the other one, even though he was high on my list and I tried to. That's the league we're in. Yeah, I know. So shout out to Kevin. Thank you for taking him off my hands because I would be in even a worse boat in that than I already am on both of my fantasy teams. So thank you for that, Kev. You probably would have beat me this week, but no, you had Campbell in that, so I took the win. So thank you. Play him this week, Kev. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Kev. (laughs) Really helping us out. We appreciate it. Um, a team that I didn't expect to struggle this much this early on is the Calgary Flames. What's going on there? Oh, wow. Like, talk about a team, like you said, just struggling. Their goaltending has not been there to start the year. Seems, seems to be an issue in Alberta. Yeah, Marchand's no kind of getting it back lately, I think. But 
not what he was last year when he had what like six shutouts in the first 12 games yeah it's not even close to the same kind of goaltending that they're getting and with the changes they made um you know everybody really thought they would take that next step but there has been absolutely no chemistry between Jonathan Huberdeau and Elias Lindholm it just has not been there and that's been a huge problem for this team as well I think you could have not said Lindholm. You could have just said Jonathan Huberdo and the Calgary Flames. Very true, because every everywhere he seems to play on that squad, uh, it's just not happening. It's just not working out. Um, I mean, they have they have this rookie centerman Adam Ruzica coming up to play, and he's been paired with Lindholm the last two games or three games, and Lindholm is putting up points now. Ooh, so it's Hubie's fault. I'm putting the blame on there, but if they don't get that connection going, they're going to really struggle to to make the, the playoffs, which is not something that most people expected. I mean, I had them uh, first in the division, and uh, from the, how we're looking at things right now, I just don't think that's going to happen at all. Yeah, I don't see them catching Vegas unless like something crazy happens in Vegas. Yeah. So moving on from those teams, we got a team here with 15 points in 18 games. Uh, two teams, actually. We're going to start with the team with the less amount of games played, the Vancouver Canucks, another Canadian team who has absolutely struggled. And Durham, just like we were talking about, what's the problems here? Well, it was Thatcher Demko, but the last couple of games, he kind of got his shit together. And I know that because I drafted him in fantasy hockey in the fifth round this year and got to the point where I just sat him on my bench until he won a hockey game. Not even like won a good one, just fucking won one. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, in my other league, I uh, I picked him up. <laughs> no. Yeah, I did. Somebody dropped him and I said, I have faith, man. I think eventually he'll find his game. But um, And plus my... I mean, I have Jack Campbell and Thatcher Demko. What a horrible <laughs> combo. I know, I know. Oh, at least I got Shesterkin, though. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, that helps because it is a it is a crapshoot over there. Um, but yeah, just more struggles from this team that I, I honestly didn't expect it to be this bad. Their decor is ugly, too, though. Like, Hughes needs help. He's not the greatest defensively fantastic with the puck great skater when he's taken it to the other team's net there might be only a handful of defensemen in the league as good as Quinn Hughes without the puck trying to body guys he's not good he needs help he needs help big time and your team's in trouble when Luke Shen's one of your best defensive defensemen right the best Luke Shen has been was when he was 18 years old he, that is actually a fair statement to, to make. And that was when he uh, started his career off with the, the, the Leafs, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, lots of hype around him. He was supposed to be just a star-studded D. Didn't quite work out that way, but, um, you know, there was a point where I don't think he was really playing in the NHL. So um, he's kind of found found at least some consistency back in the NHL, which is good for him. Yeah, I think he got a one or two year in Tampa and then won a cup there and went to Vancouver. And they're like, you're our second best defenseman. Save us. <laughs> yeah, because Oliver Ekman Larson is just not the type of player that they traded for. 
No, but we all kind of knew that's what was going to happen there. There was a slight chance we thought he might get reinvigorated, but like we said on the pod, that move to Vancouver made no sense because you already had that style of player in Quinn Hughes. Yeah, with the same hand too, and it just wasn't going to really work out there. It was just the the wrong thing to go through. Kind of kind of reminded me of what happened in San Jose with Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. And one of them's only there now, and the one that is there is thriving. Yeah, so let's kind of tune in to the, that team who also has 15 points in the division. The San Jose Sharks wasn't a team I expected much from, but holy hell, if there's one player to talk about, it is Eric Carlson. What a start. Right? Dude's got 11 goals and 17 assists in 20 games. If he hadn't, you're probably thinking like, holy shit, 11 goals as a defenseman. Yeah, that is incredible. But also, if he hadn't scored a single one of them, he'd still be leading his team in points. Yeah, he's on pace for like 45 goals right now. I'd love to see that happen. I would too. I, it's not sustainable. The biggest question mark is where, you know, if he does get traded, where is he getting traded to? Because um, it's going to be really tough for a team to pull that off, especially a, a competitive team. There's too many teams who are so close to the cap. You're going to have to get really creative with this one. If you're going to take the risk, you know, and, and eat, you know, Eric Carlson's final four years of his deal. Well, I think we're all getting a little bit ahead of the horse here because even Eric Carlson has said, I'm staying in San Jose and he has a no move clause. Yeah, I wonder if there's a couple teams out there he would, uh, you know, wave to go to. But uh, if he's went out and said that apparently rumors are he would oh, accept. I'm just saying he, apparently it would be a team that he would wave. I just don't see how it would end up working out because Ottawa's seriously going to take a Laurent at signing Artem Zub, you know, to an extension. And not only that, um, Debrinkat. And I just don't think there's a way around that if they're looking to sign those two guys. Uh, even taking on Carlson's deal at 50% retained, I just don't think it's possible. Use a third team. Get him at 25%. Knock, knock, Arizona. I Eric love it. Carlson <laughs> at 2.75 mil for the next four years. Yeah, I, I'll take it. I, I, I don't care about the risks of injury at that point. That is a deal I would take. Right? Who wouldn't? And then finally, Durham, uh, let's uh, make our way over to the Anaheim Ducks, who are sitting dead last in the Pacific Division. Oh. 18 games played, 11 points, and a minus 30 goal differential in 18 games already that's hurting they're so fucking bad they're so bad it's weird because you look at their roster and i i i kind of like what i see i could understand that a little bit like they have talented players but they don't have like a good team they've got young kids you know who they kind of remind me of? The 2011 Ottawa. Edmonton Oilers. Oh, I was going to say Ottawa like two years ago, but um, <clears throat> that is a good one. I like that with uh, just the young centermen um, and then not a whole lot else going around. A couple vet defensemen who are kind of getting past their prime. 
I mean, I don't know, man. I always wanted to see John Gibson succeed, but I don't think he's ever going to on the Sanaheim team. I think he just needs a fresh start somewhere else. There was a lot of rumors before, like when Hextall first got to Pittsburgh, that they were going to trade for Gibson. But there's always Pittsburgh and Gibson rumors because he's from there. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. So is that something you think you would entertain as a fan? Nah. Yeah, that's at this point it's, it's tough, right? You it's a lot of money for a, a guy who you haven't seen a real good year out of in a long time. So that's a big risk move. You know who people haven't seen a good year out of? In Anaheim? John Klingberg. Yeah, what's going on there? Dude went pointless for eight straight games after his debut, which we all remember was against the Kraken when he had those two assists. And yeah, he's only at eight points now. So he's got six points since the very first game of the year. Yeah, that is not the type of offensive defenseman you tried to sign. That's for sure. And I think the plan always was with Anaheim that, you know, maybe they'll try to be competitive. But at the end of the day, they know they were trading uh, Klinberg at the deadline. But um, this is a tough situation because you're not going to get that type of package that you probably thought you would bef- uh, when you first signed him. Yeah, I'm sure Anaheim was thinking, like, we signed this guy for one by seven. We could probably trade him at three and a half to a good team and get a first round pick and a good young player. And now they're like, are we going to get a fucking first? Yeah, and I don't know. I definitely wouldn't be a team looking to give away a first for John Klimberg, uh anytime soon. I certainly wouldn't. Especially for just that one year. Uh, just not going to happen. You're probably looking at a second-round pick or a B-rated prospect, unless he really steps up and goes crazy, but um, it's just not looking like that's going to happen. If he's got 40 points at the deadline, someone will trade a first for him. Yeah, I I would say and so. A, That's and fair. A decent prospect. Mm-hmm. If he's still stuck at like 25, 30 points, you're probably getting a second and that's it. Yeah. No, that's totally fair to say. Um, any other thoughts on the Pacific Division? Uh, no, I don't think so. Other than just like, like you said, like we kind of expect the two Canadian Alberta teams to step it up a bit there. LA is going to drop. And honestly, I don't expect Vancouver to stay there. I think they've kind of gotten hot lately. There's going to be a challenge for them for third is my hot prediction. That is spicy for sure. And uh, I just can't see the Kraken falling off just with how great of a team game that they're playing night in and night out. And we're just seeing it. We're seeing different players stepping up every game. It's somebody stepping up. Like we had Justin Schultz step up. We had Aberly step up this week. Um, goaltending has been as consistent, more consistent than it's ever been. Um, and, and you just have all these guys looking to big, make big plays. And as, as long as that continues to happen, I can't see this team falling off. No, I definitely think they're going to be a playoff team this year. I would be kind of surprised if they did fall off and not be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And as the stats show, 80% or better at this point, the Kraken are going to be a playoff team. And my goodness, that is going to be exciting when it finally happens. 
yeah, I can't wait to see what the crowd's going to be like in there. Mm-hmm. Durham, any big plans for this week? Uh, not really. Just going to play some hockey on Wednesday night and see where that takes me. I'm, I'm very go with the flow day by day. Forget what I have to do until I'm about to do it. Very fair. I got a whole lot, nothing going on except for work. I do got Wednesday off though. And um, not going to lie. I would love to go boarding Durham, but the world cup is on right now. And this is the first time in my lifetime. I will ever have the chance to see uh, team Canada for the men's competing in the world cup. So I might just have to tune into that one. When do they play? They play Wednesday. Um, I thought, let me check here. I am just going to look up uh, Team Canada World Cup schedule. I think it is, says 12 p.m. So I'm guessing that is my time. So that might be 2 p.m. your time. It is in Qatar, right? Which is, which is, yeah. Fucked. FIFA is so corrupt. The fact that it's in Qatar, they pretty much bought that. Um, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, but Canada versus Belgium, that is going to be a, a tough matchup. The only good thing, I don't, you know what? I'm reading different mixed reviews about it, but Roman Lukaku, one of their best strikers for Belgium, he's not going to be ready for that. He's not fit, as they like to say in soccer, for that game yet because he's dealing with a bit of an injury. So um, they might be able to surprise and you would be shocked because this Canada team brings a lot of speed, a lot of skill, uh, and they have a lot of future bright stars in this lineup who are young and ready to show some of their potential in this world cup. So very exciting time to tune into the world cup for Canadians here. Fuck. Yeah. Especially if we're going to have Alfonso Davies back for the game. He said he he's going to be confirmed, sick. confirmed he's back. Uh, there's a lot of interesting. It's like the group of death, though, Durham. We're going up against Croatia and then Morocco. Like, Morocco's actually a really solid team. Croatia, they have a lot of good young players coming up, led by a stud there as well. And, uh, you know, they made the World Cup finals last time. Is that any good? That might be good. Do they get yeah. medals for second place, though? They do. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I think they do, yeah. Well, so credit to them. <laughs> all right. Well, cool, I guess. Yeah, but I'm excited to. You're the best loser. Be watch that. Ooh, <laughs> you're the best loser. Well, honestly, even if uh, just watching Canada score a goal is going to be quite exciting because the fact that uh, they went on this incredible journey to, to make the World Cup and win the CONCACAF uh, was just incredible to watch. So pretty pumped for Wednesday morning to get to see a, a little slice of history in the making. Yeah, you have to watch it. You'll remember where you were when they scored that goal for the rest of your life. Yeah, and hopefully they do put one in the net on Wednesday and uh, just break that ice and get the game flowing for them. But uh, oh. other than that, man, that that's pretty much it. That's going on. If they go scoreless throughout the tournament, you're not allowed to watch soccer again. Yeah, that's going to be heartbreaking if that happens. But I have faith. They, uh, they've they scored a lot of goals in the CONCACAF against a lot of good teams. And their last warm-up game against Japan, 
who is a really solid team. A lot of young, good stars on that team. They beat them two to one as well. So a good tune up game heading into it. Confidence is high. And like I said, they got a lot of good players and, and Alfonso Davies isn't the only one. I mean, Jonathan David on that team is an absolute stud of a striker, only 20 years old too. And, and uh, people are going to realize just how good he is as well. Uh, as well as a lot of other players on this team. Fucking right. But uh, that pretty much wraps up episode seven, Durham. Thanks everybody for tuning in and make sure to rate this episode five stars if you've enjoyed it and stay tuned for episode eight when uh, we start to break down some of the world junior stuff and that good Pacific division rival week for the Kraken. It'll be very exciting to get to see what happens during that week. But Durham, let's get the puck out of here. Cheers, everybody, for tuning in and peace.